Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. I have enough money to last me the rest of my life. Unless I buy something. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> Sup, dude? Sup. I'm just drinking some adult juicy juice. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a, it's actually a beer from Unsung Brewing Company. It's Psionic Blackberry. Tart wheat oh. ale with blackberries. And is... Delicious. It, it's just really good. I, I love blackberries, so... Sweet. It's kind of a thing. Um... What are you I, drinking? I, I, I am I am copping out, but I figured it's I, we have two podcasts to record today. Um, I bought these yesterday, and I'm excited to talk about them. It's not beer; it's mm. called hop tea. So it's it's carbonated black tea with Simcoe and Citra hops, mm. and it's completely zero calories, and it comes in a tall boy can. <laughs> so it feels like I'm drinking a beer. I actually I haven't tasted this one yet, but they have five different flavors. Huh. And they're made here in Boulder. And they, they the can looks like an actual beer. Everything about it this does. looks like beer. It kind of tastes like beer. I mean, hold on. You know, my only worry is that if you're not drinking, you're just not going to find any of my terrible jokes funny. Uh, that's true. Well, I'm gonna, <laughs> I, you know, trust me, I will be drinking today. I will. I mean, tomorrow is 4th of July, so. Because mm. I got this, like, massively thick dad joke book of all the worst yeah. jokes. <laughs> you got to prepare. You got you to gotta, you gotta bone up. Testing him out. Yeah. You know. um, our catchphrase today comes from Jackie Mason from Garrett via email. Thank you, Garrett. Appreciate that. And uh, we need more catchphrases, by the way. Send in your catchphrases so that we can uh, say them at the beginning of our show. Do you have something that you would love to hear Matt's sultry voice say and may embarrass his entire family? Send it to us. <laughs> you heard it here first. Anyway, today we're talking about the smart way to buy a property and what to do uh, when or what to expect when you buy your first home, which, to be honest, I've been nonstop thinking about this for like, I don't know, my whole life. You're like chomping at the bit to, to buy. I am chomping at the bit. I am trying to minimize my expectations. I have, I have flip-flopped. I have gone back and forth on what I really want. I don't know what I want, but I will say this. Mm. I kind of got a little perturbed because I went on Twitter, which you should never 
go on Twitter and that's where you get perturbed, right? It's There's really no good reason to go on Twitter. <laughs> so I went on Twitter to ask, hey, I'm looking for the ultimate guide to buying a home. I'm not mm. looking for an investment property. I'm not even looking to buy my first home. I just want to do it smart. And I, you know, some people sent me, you know, Thomas sent me some stuff from Reddit, which I was a little bit hesitant to read because I'm like, well, what the, who the fuck is on Reddit? Like, who are these mm. people? How can I trust who, what people, what these people are saying? I would have just sent you the communist manifesto. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. Just like, because it's uh, on Twitter. It's on Twitter. <laughs> the, um, I, I, most people just sent me stuff that said, read this article before you buy a home. And it was basically why you shouldn't buy a home and why it's a stupid mm. investment. And it's dumb. And you're an idiot, Matt. And I'm like, first of all, I just want a house. Can I just have that? Can I, can I have a house where I have a garden? I can rip out countertops and do work myself. Like, can I have a giant toy that I live in? You know, mm. no one, no, if I, if I went on Twitter and said like, I need to, to find information on buying the best helicopter, I would be like, oh, fucking helicopters are sweet, man. Like here, you know, oh, my friend bought a helicopter. This is awesome. And as soon as you're like, I want to buy a house, they're like stupid, terrible investment, horrible. I'm like, I don't want it for an investment. Mm. I want to fucking live in it. But at the same time, I don't want to be an idiot. And so I'm super glad we're talking about the smart way to do this because I am kind of flip flopping on two ideas. One is, you know, getting a house that uh, that is a little bit undervalued or underpriced, I should say, fixing it up slightly and then, you know, living in it or just being a goddamn baller and buying whatever the fuck I want, because who gives a shit about any of this? So that's kind of where I'm, I want to fall somewhere between the two. Mm. It's kind of where I want to be. And, and that's, I actually think it's kind of a trap because uh, most of the writing or things you'll hear out there are people telling you like exactly like the line that you can go up to mm -hmm. and like, well, as long as you buy and you're like, this is what you can afford. Yeah. Right? And as long as like once you draw the line that you can afford, uh, it is the job of everyone in the process to only show you things past that line. Right. Right. I mean, it's just like kind of the rule of capitalism. All right. So let's let's talk about step number one, which is mm. what you just said. How much can you afford? So if you kind of like look out there mm -hmm. on the interwebs, mm -hmm. um, the the general and we've, we've talked about this like literally, I would say like five years ago. Right. In, in the beginning of the podcast, you shouldn't spend more than a third of your take home income. Yes. On rent, mortgage you know, housing. So cool. that's per, so like, let's assume you take home five grand a month. Then a Let, third of that is difficult numbers <laughs> to get a third. <laughs> all right. All right $6,000 a month. 2850. <laughs> no, I mean, you bring home $6,000 a month. Yeah. Then you should, your mortgage After should taxes. be 2000. Correct. Okay. That, but you know, if you have a mortgage that would include, I'm sorry, if you're renting, it's 2000 or if uh, you're buying, it's, you know, the mortgage plus possibly an HOA mm -hmm. plus taxes yeah. and all of whatever goes along with the monthly payments yeah. would be 2000 Right. So let me, let me, let me challenge that for a second. Just, mm -hmm. just for the alternative. Um, when I, when I, when I said on Twitter, I was going to buy a house or I wanted information on buying a house and really like to one, it was to research this episode and two, cause I'm literally actively thinking and trying, um, Everyone sent me Ramit's thing, which was Ramit said, and who's been on the show before, he said that 
you know, it's smarter to rent. Okay, well, this is coming from a guy who lives in New York City. Why would why would you buy in New York City? Like you're that's crazy, yeah. right? Um, of course you're renting. And yes, that makes sense. And then at the same time, he has this advice about money dials. And you should spend money on the things that you love and not spend money on the things that you don't love. And that's the fire principle. And that's every all these new personal finance. Right. He talks how he's on a 2012 MacBook Air. Like, right. Congratulations. But but he'll like blow it out on everything else. So what if the house is that for me? What if mm. that is my money dial? You know, I want a home brewery. I want a nice ass kitchen. So I work I, from home. I'm home all the goddamn time. I'd rather stay home than go to a bar. I, I agree with you. I am also home yeah. all, all the time. But but I think that there's like one caveat with that is so you love brewing beer and you buy all these like cool toys around that. And I yeah. don't even know how to pronounce half the things that you are buying. Mm -hmm. But um, if the tides were to turn in the wrong direction, you could turn that dial down to zero. Right. Right. And then then you could like. And in this case, I can't. And buy new underwear. And the thing is, like, yeah, because you're locked in, mm -hmm. like uh, you're, you're basically you're boxing yourself in. And so you need to have space to fail or, you know. OK. Just wanted to point, point, put that point out there. <laughs> but you're but you make a good point. And, and like, look, um. Rental properties are investments. Yeah, you know, if you put story. money in Fundrise, it's in real estate and it's an investment. And what defines an investment? It's something that you earn money from. Yeah, whether it's with income or you know, uh, but but like net year over year, you're earning money. And mm -hmm. uh, with a home, that is not the case. And when the one you live in, right? And right. so it's a, and we can get into the details of it, but that's not for this episode. And so. Okay. It's important to understand that it is not an investment. And right. so don't trick yourself and, when and, you're making this decision. Right. And what you're saying about the money dials too is, or what I was saying about the money dials and your counterpoint was like, but but if things go south for whatever reason, like you are locked in. And so that could make you house poor and mm -hmm. you don't want that either. Like, and especially like if you don't, if you spend, like maybe you spend 50% and not a third. Maybe you're just like, you know what? I'm taking the risk. I love my house. I'd rather spend 50%, which is kind of how I feel. Um, just, just that's going to make you house poor. Just, just know that. And it's like, mm. either you be okay with that and understand that like there's risks involved with that. Um, and I think that's just important to understand as well. And to, to your first point, like uh, if, if you find a place that needs some love and you can see where you can add value, like yeah. for example, your dad does and no, like kitchens and knows them incredibly well, like yeah. you could find a place with a shithole kitchen and with the help of your dad and his knowledge, like actually make money on that. Sure. So, and, and this is how Laura and I approached our first place. So I think you should go into that, but like never above a third, like you should shoot for... 25% and let this investment mm -hmm. thought mm -hmm. be a stepping stone to a future place. Right. Um, okay. I, I, I obviously have been doing a lot of research on this and I, this is the biggest question I've had, which mm -hmm. is down payment. Mm -hmm. um, there, I have a lot of thoughts on this. One, when I bought my first house, I put down $0. I had a 600 credit score. I did not deserve a house. Okay. I am, I am, it was also an FHA. I am paying PMI forever. 
I am. My, it's I'm, like 10 years later and you're still underwater. Yeah, I'm still underwater. Yeah. So it's like, all right. So my, so I am not, a, I am a, I am a millennial, I guess by definition, but I have a feeling and with the people that I've talked to is a lot of people were kind of my age when the 2008 housing crisis happened. And so everyone is got a little bit of fear in them. Now I shouldn't generalize like that, but I certainly have a lot of fear about not putting enough down and having PMI for life or just getting like, just getting screwed. And especially Mm. since it's been 10 years since that event, like it just feels like I'm about to do it again. It, you know what you know what I mean? Like it's just mm-hmm. like it's a ten year anniversary. It just feels like ah, this is gonna fucking happen again, and I'm gonna get stuck doing something. The cool thing with putting ten twenty percent down, it, like excluding the part where it's just a ton of money, you know, and it's it's just going to be painful. The cool part is that it's a ton of money and it's going to be painful. And if you set that as what you need to do, it actually prevents you from buying too early. Yeah. And it excludes deals mm-hmm. that, you know, are a little bit out of your range. Um, and and it winds up being cheaper. So you actually, if, when you are able to get the 20%, you will get the maximum amount of house that you could afford when it comes to monthly payments. Right. So yes, you could buy a bigger house sooner if you put 10% down, but you're actually not getting the biggest house that you can afford if you abide by the like less than third of your income. Okay. So, so what I'm doing in this particular uh, scenario is I am saving for 20 mm-hmm. and allowing myself to put down 10 if an opportunity arises. For, okay. I, but I'm, First but I'm not, all, but I'm 20 is not, not enough. Why is 20 not enough? So there, there are closing costs. Okay. So, 25, so that's like three really. to 5% of the home price. So, okay. Before we did the episode, I was looking. I couldn't find for our first property. I think it was about five thousand dollars. The place I'm in now, uh, it was a little over ten thousand. It yeah. costs us to close, you know, and that's just money that you just nuke, just goes yeah, into the on. abyss. Yeah, it's yeah. So, how do you? How does somebody like me or anybody? That means like for the majority of people out there, like buying a home is like. Kind of, if if you go after twenty five percent, and depending on where you live and how much money you make, all that like it's it feels elusive. It feels like you can't. It's like impossible, mm. or it feels like just forever. Like, and I think that that's why home sales are down because that's the that's the reality, right? People are afraid of of having two thousand eight again. Mortgages mm. aren't as easy to get. Everyone's trying to be smarter. That where where you want to you want to put down twenty twenty five percent. Dude, that's like for the for the houses where I currently live, even in the not so nice parts, like even not like where I currently live, that's a fuck ton of money, even for someone like me. Mm. And that's just gonna be like, dude, I, I might as well just, you know, like I'll be 40 by the time I get a house. So so, that, how, so I'm just saying, like, how do you how do you get over that? That's that feels like that feels that, that you'll never get there. That I'll never saying. get it, it or just feels like uh it just kind of feels deflating. A little bit, mm. but but you yeah. know, like you have to you have to rewind back, Matt, to like ten or so years when you were that buddy to your friends. It's like, well, Matt just bought a house and right. he has a BMW. Like, right? Why can't I do this? And it turned out it they were like all cumulative bad decisions. It's really not like 
people are just inherently going to overextend themselves. Yeah. And so it's harder to do the best thing. Yeah. So how do you be standing on solid ground? All right. So how do you save? Like, what is, what do you think are some of the best ways to get to the 25%? Um, so because people do, people do need houses. down like 20% down plus 5% closing is what you're saying. Let's just say, yeah. I, Cause yeah. I, I want to point out too, like, you know, you can make the argument that like, yeah, just go rent, man, rent for the rest of your life. Who cares? But it's like, you know, some people like housing projects. Some people want a family. They want stability. All of these things. I, no, no, dude, I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. And I, I find it very refreshing uh, because so we we had started the show together and you had all these goals and plans and you kind of did the things that needed to be done to mm-hmm. get you to the next phase. And then. We were not friends for a period of time. We didn't really talk. Yeah. And then we met again. And uh, we kind of like worked on a lot of the similar things together. Like yeah. you were spending a lot in your business. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember like you were like, I don't need a budget because like I'm like rich or something. But, right. you know, it's like those little things. And and I remember like you kind of made it like a game. Like, let me not spend this $5 a month because it's death by a thousand cuts. Yes. and. Lo and behold, now that you want to do the house thing, you started using Mint. Yeah, right. And and I'm sure, I have no doubt that you have found waste. And I have no doubt that you're setting goals for yourself so that you can hit that twenty percent. And it, it really, it's what I, gets what's get measured gets managed. Basically, yeah. Like yet, I I've tried all the tools. Yep. I would love for personal capital to be the best one. I would mm-hmm. you know because they pay us money. But sure, Mint is better. Just awesome. Yep. You know, they're going to try and be, pitch it could you. be awesomer. It could be. And I, I sometimes have wet dreams of me building that. Yep. And they're going to pitch you every credit card that exists yep. when you create the account. But the tool itself is free and it's going to get you everything that you need. Yeah. Um, it's just going to work. So yeah. you, you have to budget. So, okay. So, so other things to, to just kind of like get your ducks in a row. And make sure that you're ready because I think okay. the down payment is like the the biggest, most obvious piece. Yeah. Um, you you have to get your your credit in order. Yeah. And I don't know. And actually, I th- I think you have like a pretty awesome credit. Yeah, that I is think definitely not mine. a problem of mine. Um, and we we have episodes on that, and there's like a lot of like small tactical things you could do. For example, uh, one of the biggest metrics of a credit score is the percentage of on-time payments. Mm-hmm. And so the way that, and I think you did this, yes. uh, Laura did this as well, the way that we've been able to hack it, and I don't want to say I coined it, but you know, I thought it was like pretty clever, is you just make more on-time payments a month. So open mm. up a bunch of, I don't know, Old Navy card, whatever bullshit card, put Hulu on one, put Netflix on the other, right. eat Simple out ones. on the other. Just easy to spread the payments out. So instead of taking 10 years to get, a 90 whatever percent on time you can get there in perhaps a year yep and then automate those obviously exactly because shit don't miss a payment yeah don't and, miss and a there's payment. other tactics that you can go into so, other episodes so every one of my credit cards has it it has it auto pay the minimum mm. just so it's i don't do that but that's like so you don't just, miss a payment yeah it's just set up that way um but i actually go in and pay off the credit card each month because it's i'm you know that's just what i do the you, that you should, other yeah. and that and the reason my credit score is so high in that realm is because my credit to debt ratio is so low it's below 20% mm-hmm. because my every month my credit cards are paid off and i use my credit cards 
everywhere. I don't carry cash. I don't carry debit cards. I just carry credit. And mm-hmm. I and then I, at the end of the month, I just you know, I just that's how I paid it off. But that so my credit to debt ratio is so high, and I also call the banks you know frequently, probably every six months or so, and try to get my credit increased, mm. which increases your you know it'll it'll lower your twenty. It'll it'll lo- yeah lower yeah. your debt to income right. Um, okay, so you got to get credit score. Yep. You got to get, uh, you know, pre-approved for a mortgage because the, you may have visions of getting a certain size house, but if the yep. banks won't let you, then you can't. So that's the part I have a question about mm. specifically for you. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between a lender and a broker? Do you know? Uh, a mortgage so lender? I, th- I think the, the brokers essentially get a fee for, for closing. I don't quote me on that i'm mm-hmm. literally quoted on it but i'm pretty <laughs> sure that's that's the case and so for example uh wells fargo uh is a lender. definitely a lender yeah they may also be a broker but often brokers are kind of like smaller you maybe haven't heard of them before yeah they're gonna go and check rates maybe get you a better rate from a small bank you never heard of so i feel like they're the middleman between you and the bank right you know they're just shopping for you what do you think is the better move? I would assume that going directly to do the shopping yourself to save whatever brokerage fee would be applied on top or whatever they would get. I, I don't know. But obviously, they're going to have more connections than you will because that's the thing that I want to figure out is who do I who should I contact? And okay. So I'm, I'm correct in okay. the distinction. And often... Uh, Brokers seem cheaper because they have better rates. You know, they're getting whatever, but because they're paid commission, um, ah. the closing costs and stuff. So it will likely net higher. May not always be the case. So the but. so my so before I even so like right now, if I'm like ready to shop, because it's like mm-hmm. if you're not ready to go out and buy, then you shouldn't really even get pre-approved because pre-approvals I think only last ninety days. Mm-hmm. So. Um, like and the they let- come with like a rate lock usually. Right. And so the letter only lasts 90 So you better buy a house within the next 90 days. So when I'm ready to go do that, which I mean, are you easily can- extendable, we sure. have had ours extended. Also, I think you can just call banks and get, get like them to kind of give you a rough estimate. So that way, you know what you're, what to shop for. Like, you mm. know what your price range is and what you can be loaned up to. So I remember doing this. And the bank told me like, oh, we can approve you up to like X amount of dollars. And I was like, okay, they're like, don't, that's not in stone. That's not, uh, it's not a pre-approval letter, but like, yeah, you can, you, you can go with that number in mind. You can at least put mm. that into Zillow, you know? Um, right, right. So then once you're ready, like you're ready to go like shop shop, then you go through the whole, you know, get a pre-approval letter from either a broker <laughs> or a lender. But I rather do the lending part because I, I I think that I could get the banks to work for me. I, I think that uh, you'll be able to get, first of all, if you go with a lender, say like Wells Fargo as an example. Yeah. Um, and just the one I have my mortgage with and they may not be the best now. I, I yeah. don't know. I used to have um, them too. A lot of them offer things where if like you get a debit card through them, they'll right. knock some some amount of percentage off and then yep. if like you literally make the payments from that account, right. they'll knock some percentage off uh, but what really drew me to Wells Fargo over like other ones that were options is that they have an awesome, well fleshed out online portal. They will sync to everything like Mint, yeah, uh, and it's just like easy, yeah. Because 
Uh, we have rental properties that are literally under no name companies I'd never heard of and paying. It's like a pain in the balls. Yeah. And you could take those that letter or you could take that offer and just keep going to different banks and saying like, well, this bank offered me this interest rate and this mm -hmm. and they and just let them fight each other for sure. and get it down because that's what you want. You want a low interest rate. You want a high. I'm assuming a high amount because then you're just trusted. If you have truth the be told, you're probably not going to get that much knocked off by comparing. They're probably leading with like little tiny bits, right about yeah. their best. Still, though, mm. I mean, and every little bit counts, right? Yeah, if you imagine, I mean, they must have like such insane volume. Like if they lose Matt Givenisi as a customer, I'm yeah. sure they'll be fine. Um, OK, so what about the, the I'm looking at the notes here. Um, you know, obviously you want the, you have to get your, your credit score. You have your pre-approval. You want to make sure you have your down payment in cash, safe cash, liquid cash, right? Mm. Like from a wealth front account or, or ally or, you know, whatever savings account. Um, there's a lot of things to look at with the, with the home, but this idea that, um, deciding between, a, um, the type of mortgage, uh, the more and more I've read and the more and more I've watched, you know, just kind of absorbing this, like it, there's just nothing better than a 30 year fixed mm. because you are your, your mortgage payments are going to be lower. Yes. You're going to pay longer over a period of time, but you're actually going to end up saving money, especially if the price of the house goes up. So, and you're leveraging uh, other people. We, we talked about this a few episodes ago. I think in terms of like the 15 or the 30 year. Yeah. You know, especially with interest rates being so low, I don't know that I find 15 years super appealing. Yeah. That that said, um, I personally, or Laura and I personally have a 7-1 arm. Mm -hmm. And I think the amount of risk that is perceived with the interest rates is far overblown from reality. And um, I encourage you. And actually, you know, we'll, we'll add a link in the show notes. Uh, this is publicly available information. All of the interest rate values by month over time since like whatever, the 50s since they yeah. started tracking it. Uh, it doesn't really jump around a ton. And when it did, it was when our parents were first buying their house. And it's just, it's not really the risk that you think it is. And I think um, the amount of savings you're going to get with an arm like if in seven years it goes up, there's so many tools at your disposal mm -hmm. to fix that for rather cheap. Mm -hmm. I, I think you'd be maybe crazy to not seriously consider that. Also, this idea that like 15 years is basically like, oh, my mortgage will be paid off faster. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dave Ramsey would be like, yes, get, you know, no mortgage. And Dave Ramsey's mm -hmm. like, no mortgage. I think no he mortgage. might even say only look at a 15 or, you know. Yeah. Um, I would encourage people to go to the madfiantist.com or it's madfiantist.com and you read just had a new article. Did you read it? it? I did not read the whole thing. Tell me. I did. I read it. Um, what? save so, us the time. Yeah. Basically the, the gist of it. And I, I suggest you go read it cause it's packed full of numbers. Um, and the guy is brilliant. We've done awesome episodes with him, but like, this is check a his site out anyways. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but this is actually from one of his readers who compared, paying off his mortgage to putting that, that same amount of money in the stock market. Mm -hmm. So he basically had enough money to pay off the mortgage and he, and he split it. He basically paid off half the mortgage and then did this other thing and then just kept and then put money into a Vanguard 
fund that paid dividends every quarter mm. and measured how much he lost and made from both of those. And it just turns out that your his money was better spent with this Vanguard fund than it was paying off his house early. Mm. So and all the numbers are there. He has a spreadsheet. You can actually watch him track this live. I mean, it's like a, it's a Look, slow burn, on, but on average, the the market's returning twice as much as the interest rates these days. Mm-hmm. I think if like, yeah, yeah he, he recognizes so that he's in a boot, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's in this, you know, booming market right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things may change when For things sure. are not and that great. Obviously paying your mortgage is a guaranteed return. Yeah. Um, and the, but the you're one living last... in it though too. So you're not really getting that money back. Oh no, no, I, I agree. Right. I mean, like as a, whereas, like he's as getting paid, to pay interest on it. Well, he's getting paid dividends from this Vanguard fund every mm-hmm. month, and he's putting it in his checking account. He's not even like reinvesting it. I t- I super agree with uh, just kind of like paying the monthly thing and, and investing. Yeah. Um. One thing when you go on Zillow. Uh, and you run these calculators, uh, and I think Zillow has like one of, if not the best, uh, it, it winds up estimating things like taxes. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, like, you got to have like an eye for that because yeah. where you live, I have yeah. no doubt. Low um, property taxes here. In Boulder, because it's a city, you know, and there's a lot of people there, but as you kind of go into areas that are more rural, yeah. Property taxes go up yep. if it's a decent area, you know, and obviously school systems are highly tied to that. Mm-hmm. So like right now, Laura and I, we have a very expensive place. We pay like 4000 ish a year in taxes. Yeah. But not that far outside Hoboken, you're paying like 20 something. A right. Year. Yeah. And so it's just little pieces like that. Like you really need to look and add that into your calculation because it'll probably shrink the size of the house you can afford. Yeah, and you don't pay city wage tax, right? Mm-mm. I'm outside no. of New York. You're outside so. of New York. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I think that we pretty much covered a lot, so we can move on to the second half. Um, but mm-hmm. before we do that, uh, we are going to take a quick break. And, of course, we will be right back. So stay tuned. All right. This is the part that stresses me out the most. Mm. And that's actually finding, a, finding the house. I, I have a friend who uh, has been like legitimately looking for two years. Yeah, I kind of and think that's going like, to happen. As you kind of like refine your criteria of what you want, right? <laughs> it's like, well, there are now five houses that exist in the world like this, <laughs> right? And you just have to wait for one of them to turn. Yeah. So last Friday, I went to Mister Money Mustache headquarters in in uh, in Longmont and. Talked to Mindy from Bigger Pockets, mm-hmm. and you know she knows this area, Colorado. And I think the biggest piece of advice that she gave me, as far as this, is that there is always a deal. There's always yeah. a house. You know, you and may, this house you're looking at is not the last one. Nope. That meets your like. You might find the perfect house for you. You're like, oh my god. Then there will always be another one. Mm. So that was reassuring. So it's like. Okay, um, so a few things that I took away from from all of this. I think one is that that was very reassuring. Two, um, you got to go. You got to go to open houses. You have to drive around. You like, I mean, in your case, walk around. But 
what we when we got our first house, we were Sandy. We were like you know thirty minutes away. Yeah, and you like have to line them all up. Yep, and it's kind of like if you do six houses in a day, like that's really impressive. Yeah, and then you know it's all the weekends. That's where all the open houses are. Um, what we've decided, me and Steph, me and Steph and I, we are going. We actually don't really know the area, any of the areas that we're looking at. Like we actually don't know. Not that we care about schools or anything, but we don't know what the fuck is around. We don't know what these houses look like. You don't so even know what you don't know. We don't know what we don't know. And so that thing, that's why that added a little bit to my stress level. When I, t- I, I asked her this question, like, I was like, hey, if, I, if you close your eyes right now, could you drive through your entire hometown with your eyes closed? You know, like just. Oh, rem- I totally could. I mean, Me too. I would kill tons of people. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> but I, I could too. Like, I knew where I lived so well. And yet now that I live in this new area, I feel like I don't know where I live and I don't know what houses are out there and what neighborhoods are like. And so we have a real estate agent who is a friend of ours who is just sending us a weekly email with the listings in our criteria in the surrounding towns plus where we live. And then we're, we, what we've decided to do is like just pick out a handful of them each week and take one day a week and just go drive to them, whether they have open houses or not. Just go and see where they're located mm. and look at the area. Look at the houses around it. Uh, dude, st- uh, awesome idea. Uh, so Laura and I were thinking of getting a rental property. It's like uh, Union. It's it's like next to Hoboken. Yeah. And we would go and just kind of like walk Union because you don't really like you see the types of people that are outside. You right. see how they treat the area that they live in mm-hmm. you know when you're on zillow you have this like super punched in photo right. of the front yard that was just done before the photo and yeah but what's the neighbor's yard like i don't you know is there a house like is there a tree about to hit the you know yeah you just have to kind of like did you go to the coffee shops around there mm-hmm. you know you you work at coffee shops yep and i and i i really think it's important to kind of not go on zillow <laughs> You know, like if you're just like either you're serious or not, like I understand that Zillow is like very informal. And if you're if you're informal, like my buddy Travis, he loves this stuff. Like I, I kind of just wish I could just pay him to look and just send me listings that he thinks are dope. <laughs> and then it's like because he just he does it for fun. This mm. is not fun for me. I don't like shopping in general. So it's like like, oh, do you like going into Target and just like looking around? Fuck no! It's a I lot of go, work. No, I want to go into Target, pick what I want, and get the hell out. Yeah, and go, and go home. That's what I, I want. I don't care that they have Wi-Fi. I'm not, t- you know. Yeah, I'm not spending all day there. But that's how shopping for a house feels, and it's just like, wow, I, I this is something I'm either going to have to love or get someone else to do because I just don't. I just don't like shopping. So Zillow is is shopping. It's like it's being like it's like it's going on to something, hitting search, and just looking. It's like if you went to Amazon and just looked. It's like, mm. dude. I know, I know people enjoy that, and that's for them. It's not for me. I like the idea of somebody picking a criteria and just sending me a bunch, and I can just sift through and go like, it's like when I get my bombfell package in the mail, which I told you about last week. Did you actually sign up for it? I didn't. They're actually. not a sponsor, obviously, but uh, I don't like shopping in, in general for clothes spe- specifically. And so, but I, if every, they did pay me mom- money, I probably would have yeah. signed up. <laughs> so every month, I just get a box of clothes sent to me. I try some of them on. I usually send them all back. Uh, but you know, every once in a while I get a pair of jeans that I like or whatever. Um, and so like, I love that. Cause it's like someone else is doing the shopping for me and going yeah, like, yeah. 
this is and what then it we just think. arrives right you're, you don't even sometimes you don't even try it on i'm sure you're just like no no right <laughs> right right exactly so that's uh i'm that really good been, at being judgy you know? yeah that's been super helpful i heard that redfin is better than zillow so my buddy almost exclusively uses it okay um what else do you think people can do or i can do even to to start looking and finding so uh one of the things that i found super helpful so okay like you said you want like travis to kind of just like go out and do the work for you well because i know like he looks at the neighborhood like he knows like he can just look at a house no no, that's a deal i totally agree like he knows the area yeah um we had at some points three most points two real estate agents working for us. We, they didn't know that each other existed. Sure. And they were, sometimes they would show us or they would try to show us a house we already saw. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'd actually go and see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, these people are working with many, many clients because they just need to make sales. So you're important, kind of. Mm-hmm. And so if like you had a team of one, like you're a bit constrained and whatever. Sure. But if you get like multiple they're going to have different ideas of things you might like. They may talk to you about the same place differently. Right. I think you just have a big team. Hmm. I mean, who cares who you buy it through? Hell, if you really like one of the three better than the other ones, yeah. at the end, if someone shows you how she like, just have the other one show it to you too. Yeah. I'm also, um, that's a good idea. I think I've been, I've recently had to update our criteria. So like mm. we've, we've just, we've, Steph and I have talked back and forth about the things that we want in a home. Like, they just have to, like, yeah, th- this list of, like, non-negotiable, right? It's mm-hmm. like, uh, um, you know, like, I want a fucking basement. I grew up mm-hmm. with a basement. I love basements. I want a drum set one day. I want a basement. It's like... Is that a rare thing? No. Basements? No. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, it has to have a, like, I don't even want to look at a house. Does it, it doesn't have to have be a furnished? Could it no, be it doesn't unfurnished? have to. No, no, no. It, does, it could be, no, it can just be empty. Because you could always furnish it. Yeah, no, it doesn't. No, no, not furnish it. You mean finished it. Finish it. Finish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finish and then furnish. Yes. <laughs> finish, yeah, so <laughs> no, it can be an unfinished basement. It just mm. has to have a basement. Uh, we decided that it has to have at least a quarter of an acre. Mm. So at least, so we want a yard. So it has to be at least on a quarter, which seems to be like the, you know, that's what my, I think my parents have a quarter. Um, that's what I grew up with. That's, Is that something you could filter by on Zillow yeah. and Redfin? Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I, it has to have at least three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and that was mm. our minimum. Um, because we want office and we want guests, because we have a lot of guests that visit us. Because you know we don't like family. Well, you're from stuff. the East Coast, so your people right. come and fly in. And yeah, one of our non-negotiables is central AC. Like oh. it was not until we had, and then realized we can never go back. <laughs> yeah, I guess you know it's that that is mine too. But I've never, <laughs> I'm. Do do window units for a year? Oh no! You'll way. Ne- you'll, yeah, <laughs> you'll really I've never no, I've never lived anywhere that didn't have central air. So we had uh, we did three years in our first place without uh, central AC, and like it was all about not blocking the air conditioner, right. keeping everything aligned for yeah. airflow, and you know uh, I, I you know I did stay in a couple of Airbnbs I had it, and I didn't mind it. It was always like really dude, cold. It's like one or two nights. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know if that one isn't. I think I could live without that. But uh, I'm I'm trying to like that was ours was like we want yard space. We want a guest room for guests. And I want a basement for soundproof, basically. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and anything else is like either bone. Like we thought we wanted a fireplace and it's like, ah, uh, you know, give or take. I don't care. You know, um, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just like things that you think are negotiable or non-negotiable. You're like, eh, do you re- like, really? Is that to cry? Like, I think the fireplace is a great example. Cause it's like, really? Like you're not going to buy the perfect home because it doesn't have like this one luxury that you're probably yeah, use you once or twice it. a year at the end of the day. You know what I mean? I, I think one that I'm realizing kind of like, cause I'm here, I'm like putting myself in your shoes, yeah. remembering how I was. And I, I think you can imagine how like neurotic I am, the things mm-hmm. that I do. Like I remember going into places and making note of anything that was like imperfect uh, because there's just things that you can hold against them uh, when you're trying to do the price. Geez. You know, <laughs> yeah. for example, we had this, um, it was, uh, uh, what was it? It was it was hot water and it did baseboard. So I, don't, I forget what the yep. machine was called. It was a beast of a machine. It was yeah, huge. It's like, like a, yeah, it's like a water heater, right? It's like a yeah, water S, heater, yeah. but also has like this circular thing that connects the whole apartment so the baseboards fill. Yeah. And the guy came and inspected the house and he's like, eh, it's like 20 years, whatever. It's like getting towards the end of the life mm-hmm. of the thing. And uh, I just remember like harping on this thing so much and basically saying like, if we buy this, like we're going to have to get another one because, you know, yeah. it leaks or whatever. And we got like a, a discount as a result. Not to me- Meanwhile, we we never replaced it. Um, and then I called the same guy who inspected it the first time and, and like gave him a, you know, a nice check. And he said it was fine. Second time. Yeah, because it was fine. Right. But, but you know, oh, I see what you did. Like it, that, it could well, just, that, so that's let's talk about that for a second because I know mm-hmm. that that is crazy important to have when you shop is your own trusted home inspector, mm. right? Like a like, guy that or he, or somebody not, that you know. Yes. Well, okay. So I didn't know him. Sure, until, but he was, he worked. He was working for you. Right. He was so on you, your side. You pay him the check. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you may probably inspect mo- you. Yeah, you you just will inspect multiple places because mm-hmm. they won't work out. The inspection will come out the way you want. Mm-hmm. And um for us it was like 200-ish dollars. Yeah. And I think like we just kind of gave him like 250. Right. Or something like that. And just like was like no, 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 to like just yeah, take deposit it. this check. Yes. And uh like you need someone like that in your corner because they can find things that might be you know, right. Well, don't take because like this, this can happen where like the, the seller has an inspector. Well, the, of course, the seller's inspector is going to be working for the seller mm-hmm. and not for you. And you're the buyer. You need to have your own person. Right. So I think that that I was told that that was super important to have in your for back sure. Pocket. Uh, and I would also say like um, the, the property that has like a bidding war. I, I just I know it's going to be great and you obviously want it because other people want it. But it's just it's just not for you. Um, what do you you mean? Like, don't get into a bidding war because what? Like, this is you're never going to spend more money on something than a house. I mean, maybe a Learjet if you ever get to that right, point. Right. But like, you're going to spend so much money in this place, and you really need to have all these wins lined up so that you feel good about dropping all this money. You could see sure. the potential, and I think uh, additional bids will will push your price up. It's going to nuke any of the mm. things that you might use as part of the negotiation. Leverage, yeah. You know, um, 
Like, for example, when we were trying to sell our last place and move into here, lining the deals up was difficult. We actually had to stay an extra month in our old apartment. And I paid more than my mortgage to stay in the apartment that I owned so that the deal went through. Wow. And the thing is, like, I really wanted this place and I needed it to work. And I was, and you know, I'm a real tough negotiator. I'm a real asshole when it comes to stuff. And I just couldn't get it to fly. And I paid more than I than I would normally you reg- pay. You regret that? No, because we wanted this and we were... Yeah. I think it was the, a difference of a couple hundred dollars, which wasn't a lot to us then. Right. Um, but you wouldn't do that again? No. And, and, well, I guess the point is like, uh, I, I might do it again, but certainly not for the first place. Yeah. And I, I guess it's all relative. Got it. So, you know, if you're buying a place that's $100,000, you know, $1,000 is a meaningful amount. You right. know, if we're buying yeah. a place that's ten million dollars, which I can't afford, <laughs> right? You know, a thousand dollars is inconsequential. Sure. What, so what you it, have to. Mm. Well, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. That was that was it. Uh, well, what about timing, like the time of year? Because here's what I heard. I mm. heard that winter is the best time to buy if you want to do the deal that I you had told me a while ago to be like what you want to do is someone's going to be desperate to move out and is going to have trouble selling and needs to move whether they got it relocated or you know they're you know you know maybe they need to downsize or or whatever they're going to be selling their house in the winter time you know per, or perhaps those will happen because not a lot of people sell during the winter they all sell in the spring and we've and the, only done it in January why so do you, do you, the, is that on purpose or is it just is just happenstance the the first time um, we, Sandy was like, I think September and by the, by three months, Laura and I would have bought almost anything, you mm. know? And I mean, we literally bought like a shitty ass place because like it just circumstances. Yeah. So we had to do it. And I think after doing that, we realized like, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, we, we didn't really think about it. There's less houses on the market in the winter time. But the ones that are on the market, chances are either they couldn't sell it, so they're under they're they're lo- they're priced lower. They've been on the market for several days, so there's leverage there, um, or or it's at a des- or it could be out of desperation. Mm. And those a are for kinda, sale by owner, yeah. someone who's trying to save, and so they're not getting the marketing on the right. house that they might want. Like right. you just have to find, uh, like these weird opportunities, yeah. you know, where people are doing things that don't maybe make sense. But I think those opportunities to find them, and this is the hardest part for someone like me, is to be patient. Mm. I am not a patient shopper. I'm like, I want what I want, and I want it now. I'm like, Brooke Assault, just give me that fucking golden <laughs> you have to, You have to like set your expectations and, and say that like in the first X months of shopping, yeah. like yeah. I will not buy a home. I started today looking for a home. I will not buy one for four months i am right. literally just doing research then i fa- I, I walked into my dream home that is perfect the, the one next door is probably the exact same home but you can't buy it because you don't know what you don't know that is exactly what steph and i have planned to do for the rest of this year is we are going to be proactive in researching that's the airbnb on a saturday one night and go and eat breakfast at a local whatever thing and yeah see what kind of people show up and i don't right. know like right I, yeah i think uh i think it's important for us 
personally to know the neighborhood that we live in, which we don't, you know, the reason we don't know it as well as we know our hometown is because our hometown is all our friends' parents had houses down these weird streets that we would probably never go down. But you because, had to go to your friend's house. Well, you, you had to go down. to your friend's house. Yeah. Here, no one owns a goddamn house because everyone's our age. And so the only place we go is like downtown or like in the city or at an apartment. And so we never get to cut through these little neighborhoods and and see the neighbors and be in someone's back. You know, no one here has a house. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's just kind of, I, you kind of have to be proactive about it. You, you only go. know the path to the bar. That's really it. You only know <laughs> the, the path. Hole. Yeah. Yeah. The water, the path to the breweries. Mm. And it's like that there's no houses on the way there, you know? <laughs> so that's what we're doing. And we are just kind of like treating it as learning, a learning experience. And yes, we're going to f- see houses where I'm going to, I know I'm going to be like this. I'm going to be like, I want that. I want that. And it's like, look, dude, you, you, you maybe more than most know that nothing good in your life has come quickly. No, and it's kind of sure. been a slog. And I think if you embrace that and just, you know, take em- your sweet ass time, <laughs> embrace the slog. Yeah. Hashtag back to Twitter <laughs> again. All right. Is, that, is there anything else we want to say about this before we, uh, I think that's pretty good. All right, good. So if you missed anything, of course, we'll have everything in the show notes. We, we've mentioned that earlier. Uh, you can either check your preferred podcast app or you can go to listenmoneymatters.com slash show. And please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts. You can just easily hit the subscribe button. Should not be a problem. And we would love you to tell your friends about us. Anybody who's interested in learning more about personal finance or somebody that you know might be struggling with money or somebody you know that might be, they, they want to listen to personal finance, but not, you know, Dave Ramsey, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so point them to your favorite episodes and hopefully uh, you can convince them to become a subscriber. Uh, and that would, we would really appreciate that. And of course, if you have any questions or topics or catchphrases that you'd like us to say on the show, please email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And of course, again, all the tools and resources that we normally mention on this show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. All right, that's it. Later, Andrew. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show. (laughs) Thank you.